everyone. Welcome to episode 127 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. It is Tuesday, and we are still basking in the annual post-barn party glow. At least those of us that didn't have to do a whole lot of setup and teardown. So this week, if you see anyone that was drawing lines across the ground for, for power, or they were dragging hay bales across the parking lot to set up picture opportunities, things of that nature, say a huge thank you to anyone you might know, and of course to John Monday, who... This is his gig. Yeah, he really oversees it. And it's not too soon. It's not too soon to volunteer for next year's barn party. On the Tuesday after barn yeah, party, it's not too soon. And no, it's not too soon. In fact, we had one of our families that were at the bull riding area, and the line was miserable and the way it was being managed. And <laughs> it was. They, they didn't care for that. And they actually volunteered. We'll take care of the whole bar, uh, bull riding thing next year, and we'll run the line. We only need 38 volunteers to help us. <laughs> so we only had 80 volunteers helping all over, so... We need 38 just for the bull, bull next ride. year. So. Well, it was very popular. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ellie came and got me and said, Dad, I need someone to sign a release form. And I'm like, <laughs> can I do that after? Like, at, yeah. nope, you can't get in line to have your hand. For those of you who are listening, it's a mechanical bull. <laughs> just to, you know, <laughs> to sort of really sort of make sure you understand what was happening. I mean, you know, it's a barn party and all. <laughs> it's but, a barn party. There were live animals. I, I had one a couple on Saturday <laughs> as I was walking over to classes. Um standing out in front of the stage with a big sign said barn party on it. And they're like, what, what is this barn? It's not in our vocabulary. Barn, barn party. And I said, oh, it's like, it's like where they keep the horses and cows. And they said, oh, stables. <laughs> so, so are we changing, uh, the, name changing the name to the FHE so. stable party <laughs> no. for next year? <laughs> it's not very stable. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you can always hook up with John and let him know that you're interested in making something better. Because honestly, this year with everything. Oh, this great flow. I think this was the best barn party that I've been yeah. to. And we came a couple of years before we actually started coming here as members. So that, this has been the best party. That was our recruiting tool to get you here. That's so, it. Yeah. That's it. So last week we began our current Give Thanks to the Lord series and took a closer look at God's good deeds where we decided that as far as the East is from the West so far has he removed our sins and he is compassionate like a good father for his children. So what do we say? Thank you. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Now, we missed a little bit of the end of that episode and some really good testimonies uh, <laughs> that we shared here. But overall, you'll get the idea if you listen to that episode and even more so if you actually go back and watch the message that was attached. And you can do that at hospitalchurch.org. And of course, any messages or podcast episodes, you can go if you're an Apple iTunes, just swipe up and all the links are there. So this week it was part two. And it was not God's wonderful deeds. I didn't change that in my notes. See, this is God's righteousness. It's the righteousness. God's righteousness. So the synopsis of the message said, we live in a culture that has moved away from absolutes. For many people, what is right has become what is right in their eyes. And Christians believe there's a God who is right and whose actions, decisions, and choices are justifiable because they match what is right and true. And are there misconceptions that come with this belief and what might we gain or lose when we believe it? Referencing the verse of Psalms chapter 7, verse 17. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm reading that and I'm like, okay, I can, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I, I can, I can follow it. But then I really started thinking, what does that mean to me if I don't understand righteousness? Because mm. I can go to the dictionary and pull it up and it says sure. the quality of being morally right or justifiable. There you go. That doesn't really help me. <laughs> At least not in this context either. So outside of fifth grade grammar, that definition is just pretty blank as far as it relates particularly to this topic at hand. 
And as a Christian, I've often felt personally like this has become a bit of a buzzword that we throw around sure. like Sabbath or haystacks if you're an Adventist, <laughs> things like that. And we don't really address what and how important it is to us as the foundation of our faith. And we use it in a sentence or an emphasis and a message. Oh, it's, it's the righteousness of God. And so when you put the righteousness in there, yeah. we know that it's important. But how often do we sit? and quiet and ponder the true meaning Mm -hmm. of not only righteousness, but God's perfect righteousness. And to this, you said, what we need isn't developed righteousness, morphed into being righteous, improved obedience. All this is a human impossibility. Ouch. What we need is this thing that will motivate us to give thanks to the Lord. It is something we can progress into. We need the righteousness of God. So what exactly is this thing that will motivate us to give thanks to the Lord in this context of his perfect righteousness? What is it that we miss that we don't feel like is super, like we just don't get that definition? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So moving on. (laughs) I think it's simply the righteousness of God. The fact that we worship a God who is always right and the counterpart never wrong. And so as we live our lives and we're trying to walk in relationship to God, oftentimes we think, well, why did God let that happen? Or why doesn't God stop this from happening? Yeah. Or that kind of thing. And we have to just understand we have to step back and say that's part of what it means to walk by faith, and that is trusting that God is right and never wrong, even if it doesn't appear that way to us. us. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say that. I almost kind of thought you might say that, but you know, you never, it never hurts to just check and make sure that what, you know, what we might think it is because as many things, when it comes to things that God has told us, even like the greatest of these, which Mm -hmm. we're often, we're not very good at the greatest of these in loving, but really when we quit complicating it and just let it be simple, nothing should make us feel more safe, Mm -hmm. more loved, more liberated, to know in our hearts and souls that this is ours unless we decide that we don't want it anymore. Yeah. But there's always a but. The other <laughs> the, the downside of this to me is the devil knows the strength and the perseverance that this brings to us. So to me, this is high on his list of things to do and to cast doubt on sure. and to shroud in, I don't know what God's righteousness is. And he does this daily because I believe it's this doubt that's true of all believers at different times. So what is Andy's foundational anchor to this belief? And how do you take it from as simple as it should be and then put it into practice at those times when you aren't really feeling like it's logical maybe mm-hmm. or I don't see it, I don't feel it? What does Andy do well, to help I, that out? Well, I think that one of the things that I have to do is hold back onto that faith thing that God is righteous. Satan is always interested in blocking our understanding of God's righteousness. Yeah. And so he misrepresents God. And he looks for ways to misrepresent God. Mm. Uh, God is burdened, if you want to call it that, okay. with being perfectly righteous. Yeah. Which means while his enemy can lie and cheat and steal and misrepresent, he can only do his political ads telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, that's true. So it makes it, it, makes it a, a very unequal playing field from a human perspective, these two powerful beings, God Almighty and his creation, Lucifer, at war with each other. And we sit there and we watch what happens in our world, and we aren't able to always think about the reality that behind this is one who is acting in truth and righteousness and one who is acting in untruth and unrighteousness. And so that side can blur everything and mess everything up. Yeah. And 
you can't sort of fight fire with fire, so to speak. And so God is, is in a sense, and this is a strange sense, burdened with being himself, which is 100% righteous. All the time. All the time, and consistently, with no exception. And this is great, but I think it takes the... <laughs> is that why it doesn't make any sense to <laughs> yeah, us? Yeah, probably so. right all the time? <laughs> yeah, that's probably part of it for sure. But I think for us to be able to sit and, and to contemplate that that's who he is yeah. and focus on it, all we have really to give anything is our attention. And so to mm. give our attention to his righteousness versus misrepresentations that don't look like righteousness. Yeah. Because uh, if, if it doesn't appear to be righteous and it's about God, then there's some lack of understanding on our part, not on God's part. He's still righteous. He's still He's still righteous. I like that. Because I think that a lot of people find the bigger stumbling blocks in those those Job experiences where we, again, it's simple. Sure. We should understand the righteousness. And we should also understand what you just talked about, that if it's not coming from God, and it's usually fairly discernible if we're in any kind of a relationship with God, mm-hmm. it should be fairly discernible that what's right and what's wrong and where which is coming from, Satan mm-hmm. or God. But also sometimes when there's not a lot of clear guidance or we're just in that space where we don't hear God, we're not finding, we're we're doing everything we've normally done, we're praying, and it's just one of those things that God's putting us through a test or this, he's allowing a test to happen to us. And for me, it always comes down to Psalm chapter 40. Mm. And I particularly like it in the message version. And it's David crying out to God. You know, he starts out, I waited and waited and waited for God. And at last he looked and finally he listened and he lifted me out of the ditch and pulled me from the deep mud. And he stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. And it goes on and on. And it's just saying, Mm -hmm. you know, God, don't wait. You know, I I can't, I can't do this. Don't wait. Just come now and help me because this test is more than I can take. And he finishes it with, in me, I'm a mess. I'm nothing and have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes, but God, don't put it off. Right. And for me, that's the one that I always come back to. It's the chapter I will always sit down and read mm. and just remember that I don't see it. I don't know why you're taking so long. <laughs> and at the end, I'll admit I'm a mess. I got nothing to offer, but please, and I know you can do it, but please don't wait any longer. Well, Satan is very clever and and evil is most successful when it's truth mixed with error. Mm, so yeah. like if we if, if something's pu- fully error, That's totally easy. totally wrong, we we can we sort of can catch that pretty quick. Yeah. But when Satan takes like 99% truth yeah. and just sticks in a 1% error, then it's oftentimes much more difficult for us to say, "Oh, that's wrong." <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it looks so right. Yeah. And so our humanness gets in the way and of course, we have to get onto the message here today, but the nice thing is that whether we're right or wrong, our goodness is in his righteousness. <laughs> it's so, not in well, ours. I won't, I won't get ahead of the story here. <laughs> well, okay, so this all sounds pretty good, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've we've ascertained that, you know, with a little bit of trying and waiting, we should be able to figure this out and just understand that <laughs> God's righteousness is perfect and he's always right. But I can hear someone yelling from the cheap seats, mm-hmm. guys, guys, and you mentioned this verse. What about Romans 2.13? Those who obey the law will be declared righteous in God's sight. And this sounds a lot more like a fear-based obedience with benchmarks of conformity to achieve than it does in us just sure. having God's favor because of the fact that we believe as he says. There's only one way, only one ticket to get us to be able to be in God's presence for all eternity. And that is absolute lining up completely, 100%, 
with his character revealed in the law. Mm. So 100% law-keeping is the only way to be in his presence. And there's not one human being, uh, <laughs> you know, that has provided that except Jesus. Right, yeah. So that's that's where we are uh, both doomed and hopeful. <laughs> so we can look at all these different places. I mean, that whole in, that entirety of that chapter, chapter 2, mm-hmm. when you read that, it doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies. No. You go to James, the whole book doesn't give you the warm <laughs> and fuzzies. It's not a Romans-type experience. But, you know, people will use this in opposition, like watered-down grace, like, well, see, I mean, look at look at what they're saying here, and look at what James is saying. It's right. like almost a polar opposites without taking the time to think about what the perspective that James is writing right. from, saying, sure. yeah, hey, guys, this is all great. We love Paul. We love the Book of Romans. We love all this message. But don't forget, there are things that are going to change about you that will need to change right. about that, and but not to use it as a battering ram to say, God's righteousness. I don't know. Let's hold the brake. Let's tap the brakes on that one a little bit. Can we get this wrong and still be uniquely placed to spread the gospel that will be something that people want to be a part of, that people want to take in their lives? Because it seems like if we get this part or we just aren't excited about God's righteousness, how can our message come across positively? If you believe in any way that the reconciling of you with God is your responsibility. That's not really great news to share. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. okay, just buck it up a little more and you can, you know, no more, no more, no little yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. Versus the fact that Colossians is so clear in chapter two that God has already reconciled all things unto himself in Jesus Christ. Christ. It's yeah. a done it's a done thing. Yeah. You know, now we get to take advantage of it and we can, and like I said in the sermon, we can, we might get nicer. <laughs> I love, I literally, I was the, if you probably heard, I was the one person laughing out loud because I'm like, you might get nicer. You might not either, but you might get a little nicer. I, you know, the reward we're thinking is going to come with better obedience and just being a little mm-hmm. bit better because we're going to get a little bit right. better as the closer we get in our walk. We but, think of righteousness as righteousness oftentimes that is developed in us as incredible incremental righteousness yeah. and it's we're building no and I, and I and I and I have to go back to the point I made in the sermon very 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 clearly yeah that when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior and open your life to him you are at that moment as perfect in God's eyes as you're ever going to be yeah you're absolutely perfect you have God's righteousness and his son Jesus Christ covering you and boom that's perfection and that was the one that hit home the hardest. And we're going to get to that one. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I was saving it, but it's okay because that one can be said multiple times because I think we need to hear that and we need to remember yeah. it. It needs to be something that sticks in our minds because it's so easy to to just lose hold of that. But well, we sometimes make sanctification justification. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we got to realize that both of them are God's work in us, not our work in right. us. You know, He's faithful and just to fulfill you know, his, his righteousness in us. The good work He's begun, He'll bring to completion. We just need to back off, off and uh, thinking more highly of ourselves than we should. <laughs> <laughs> well, for someone who's heard all of this, they've watched the message and listened to them, or listened to the message. They're listening to us, and they're saying, "I really want to believe." and I see this righteousness, you know, and I want to believe what you just said from the moment they believe, but still can't quite live in that moment and just know that this is true in their life. Tell me how you found this reality to be true in your life. What was the light that went on? Maybe it's always been there for you. No, I I remember clearly, uh, I I had some conception of it from a very young age, very early age, 
But I do remember in my sophomore year, or second semester of my freshman year, actually, I was living in a cabin in North Georgia, reading through a little bit, book called Christ Our Righteousness, and it just jumped off the page at me that, mm. wait a second, Andy, no matter how good you try to be or how perfect you get your life in order or how lined up with God's will you line yourself up, it's all nothing except without Christ's righteousness because his righteousness takes the place of your righteousness, and God sees you like you've never even made one tiny little fault. Hmm. I mean, that's that's not just in Ellen White. That's also in Colossians. I mean, it's just great yeah. stuff that we turn our lives over to him, and he takes charge, and it's His he takes responsibility from there. He gives us total perfection in him. For me, it came actually, um, I grew up Adventist. I never really liked church ever as a kid, <laughs> as a teenager, even less as a young adult. And now he hates it. <laughs> That's right. And now I don't even know what I'm doing here. Uh, as a young adult, even less. And then I was, uh, through a long story, I was uninvited to church. <laughs> but after I came back to God and when I got married, Heather and I, we she helped me through a lot of the different things. I pro- I've been processing things through my earlier life, Christian life and others. We were in a God Encounters in, ten- in Tennessee, actually at Collegedale mm. Church, and Sam Lenore had a message. I believe it was on the final night, and he said basically that if we believe that we play any part right. or enhance our salvation in even the smallest of ways, then he's like, just imagining yourself walking up to the cross and slapping Jesus in the face because that's what you're doing if you think or you're living your life in such a wow. way that you have anything to do with this. And he's like, if you really believe that— He's like, there's no hope for you. You mm. have to understand this point yeah. or you will live in this prison cage of Christianity yeah. that does not allow you to live freely in Jesus. And he made a lot of people mad with that comment. <laughs> but for me, I left there and I have carried that in my head. I can see him preaching it. I can hear it over again in my head the way he said it. And it was much better than the way I delivered it, obviously. But from then on, it was just like, okay, I'm done beating myself up. Yeah. When I do wrong, I'm just going to keep asking for forgiveness and keep just saying, you got to change this right. because I, we see where this sure. is taking me from my help. Well, it's interesting. I was listening to a speaker this afternoon just a few moments ago, uh, a little clip, where he's talking about the fact that Jesus in his scriptures uh, is always thinking about salvation as being something that happens now, mm. not not just something that happens in the future. Uh, the Jewish context was God comes and saves you from your enemies, not someday. He, he's beating up the enemies right now. Yeah. I mean, he rescues us now. He And so to, to realize that God's righteousness can bring freedom and restoration and joy and all these things now, not, yeah. not just an eternal, you know, skip bow card for all eternity. For all eternity. Yeah. It's interesting because I remember one of the other sermons that have stuck with me for a long time was right after we moved to Florida, Deeper was starting, Jeff Gang was our pastor, and he had a sermon. I wish I, I wish I had the transcript of it, but basically the point was the kingdom of God is here and it's now, mm-hmm. and it's as close as the breath in front of your face. Right. And that whole message, I mean, I remember only that part of it, but that whole message really impacted me as well to think this isn't something that we're just striving for the future, because right. if there's nothing here in the now, then that makes that a long, yeah. trudger, just drudgery. Yeah, it's, it, God's righteousness is a transforming righteousness concurrently. Yeah, yeah, I like that. All right. Well, we're out of time, but we're just going to wrap things up here as quickly as we can. This week, we're doubling down on our FHC takeaway, starting with what will it mean to live knowing you are constantly free of condemnation in Christ? And following that one with who do you wish could find this freedom in Christ 
and how will you help? Now, if these two weren't written as a pair, they should have been, because <laughs> once you realize the freedom of living free in God's righteousness, there has to be someone who comes to mind that simply doesn't believe it, can't accept it, or spiritually sabotages themselves because the devil has them convinced that they don't qualify. Maybe you can put yourself, I know I can, I can put myself in each one of those situations yeah. at some point in my life and remember how absolutely miserable I was. <laughs> so I kind of took that as a challenge this week. And there's two people in my head uh, that I'm thinking of that I'm not sure how I'm going to help, but I'm going to pray on it and I'm going to think well, on it. Well, I think praying on it is really the, uh, the first huge step. Yeah. Uh, we can pray for others to others to intervene where we're not accessible to those people and then pray for divine appointments uh, where our paths will cross and this will be the right opportunity. Opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So not looking for any specific feedback here, but if you do have anything that you'd like to discuss about this or have a question or a comment, you can leave a text or voicemail to 407-965-1607 or podcast at hospitalchurch.org for those in the email persuasion. Final thoughts. I think these are our best final thoughts ever from one of Andy's messages said, you are never more righteously qualified to spend eternity with the holy, righteous God of the universe than you are the day you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just let that sink in. You can't improve on the absolute perfect righteousness of God our Savior imputed to you in Jesus Christ. You can't improve on the absolute perfect righteousness of God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we hear a lot of great messages here at the church. I'll be the first to to raise my hand and, and agree But those written words delivered this past week may be the most hopeful you'll ever hear while on this earth. Write them down and place them on a mirror, on the dash in your car, your desk, your locker, and most (laughs) certainly on your heart, so that you're never tempted to waste time in worry and in work that's already been done to be sure that your time is spent on being thankful and extending that thanks and that freedom to everyone around you. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. (laughs) Upcoming this week is week three of Give Thanks to the Lord. Speaking of giving thanks, and it's God's never-ending love. Mm -hmm. Never-ending love. Never-ending love. Some of the Psalms just go on about his love never ends, never ends, never ends. Awesome. And so we'll be talking about his love and... I'm not sure what I'm going to say, but right. it'll, I'm hoping it'll be interesting. <laughs> hoping it's going to be good. Well, you know, the first two I've absolutely enjoyed, and the two that you absolutely shouldn't miss. So definitely go back and check those out in the archives if you have not. And hey, we're back to the L word this week, so things must be getting back to normal here at the hospital church. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, as always, to Andy, Jeff, and Tom. And do join us again next Wednesday for episode 128. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.